Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. You are listening to Healthy Love. I'm your host, Cynthia Clark, and I'm your palm reading consultant and heart harmonizer. If you are looking for long-lasting love, using palmistry as the means to find your partner, you can go to loveinyourhands.com. And today I have a really special guest. His name is Robert Champy. And he has worn many hats in his professional career. So lots of experience. He's a clinician, a therapist, counselor, supervisor, coach, consultant, and now an author. And I happen to have his book right here, um, When to Call a Therapist. It's a really interesting book, by the way. So everybody should get out there and get a copy. Um, yeah, I just love, I just love these topics, by the way. <laughs> They're super cool. So he earned his BA in psychology at Montclair State University and went on for his MSW at Rutgers University, both of these in New Jersey. After receiving his licensure as a clinical social worker, he worked in community mental health centers and hospitals as a clinician working with individuals with serious and persistent mental illness, as well as patients who were duly diagnosed with mental illness and substance abuse. He went on to work for a behavioral healthcare consulting firm, which helped healthcare facilities reestablish themselves as well as coordinated a program that provided employee assistance, help for problems in and out of the workplace. Uh, he was also the director of psychiatric inpatient social work services at the largest hospital in New Jersey. Uh, he began his private practice in 2010, which focuses on clients needing assistance with anxiety, depression, anger management, assertiveness, training, and other issues. Um, and today we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, he also does couples and marital counseling, which is really cool. So this show is all about being healthy and happy in relationships. And uh, it sounds like, Robert, you've got a lot of great experience. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Cynthia, for having me. So welcome. So, so how did you get into therapy in the first place? Like, how did this even, like, what's your story? Tell us a little bit about you. Sure, sure. I write about my story in chapter one in my book. Um, in my 20s, uh, I, uh, well, I, I should say when I, when, I, when I graduated high school, I did not have plans for college. And so I was a little stuck. I didn't know what to do. And so uh, a friend of mine who was, who was already in therapy uh, suggested that I call, call a therapist. And uh, it took me a while to get into therapy. Uh, because uh, I wasn't sure if I was ready to talk to a therapist or what I'm even going to talk about with the therapist. But eventually I did. And so in my later 20s, early 30s, uh, I got into therapy, which was uh, the, probably the best thing I ever did in my life. Uh, talk about my issues, what was keeping me stuck, uh, plans for the future. And so um, that was the, the beginning of my career. I got into college and uh, uh, and then graduate school, and then went on to uh, become a licensed social worker. So f for me, therapy was, uh, you know, a game changer, it really changed my life, and it changed my, my, my whole path in life. Mm, that sounds really great. And there's, um, yeah, I, I like to talk about the stigma behind 
uh, therapy because, um, by the way, palm reading has the same kind of stigma. It's not really positive all the time. <laughs> and people, people think it's, you know, something other than what it actually is. And I sort of feel like therapy is like that as well. It's like people feel like, oh, if I, if I go into therapy, there, that means that there's something seriously wrong with me, or why can't I figure this out on my own? Or, you know, I should know better. I should be able to handle this. You know, these are the kinds of things that I feel like a lot of people um, like go through. And that probably keeps them from actually calling somebody like you. Well, that's true. Uh, even though I think it's getting better and I think people are reaching out uh, for help more and more, uh, there's still that old fashioned uh, uh, way of thinking that we should snap out of it. We should be able to help ourselves or, you know, we shouldn't go and talk about our family issues to a stranger. Uh, so there's still stigma uh, out there. And I write in my book that although uh, many counties and hospitals and, and businesses and, uh, and universities have stigma-free signs on their, uh, on their uh, campuses, um, you know, I think it's more of an ongoing thing to, to be stigma-free. You just can't put up a sign and say, we're stigma-free, but I think, I think we have to work at it. I think there should be uh, meetings and committees, and, and it should be an ongoing process rather than just a sign. So I do think we're getting uh, going in the right direction, but uh, there's still that barrier that keeps a lot of people from reaching out to call a therapist. Mm, yeah. So, so in terms of like a marriage, like let's move over to relationships or, or let's say you're just even dating, you know, and you start to have problems or, you know, things are not as uh, romantic anymore. <laughs> you know, there can be right, sure. all kinds of stuff, you know, it's, um, or maybe things are, are okay, you know, but not really passionate, you know, but you're going through like, you're commit, you're committed, but you're just, you know, you're basically both in your work worlds or whatever. Um, you know, what, what would you say are the biggest problems with, uh, couples that they see or don't see? And then, and then when should they come and see you? Right. Good question. Um, I found that many couples wait too long to come into therapy. They, Dis they have disagreements and they argue about the same issues over and over again uh, without any resolution. And so, um, you know, they, they wait too long, their resentments build, uh, and, uh, and, and they'll find themselves one day with, uh, with a great deal of distance between them. So um, what, what I would like to see couples do is to come in when the issues first start. Uh, you know, if you find yourself arguing over and over again about the same thing, that's almost like living in the past. You're dredging up, you know, the same topics and the same topics. There's no resolution. There's, there's, uh, you know, it's not getting better. And a lot of couples keep going back to that point. So I would say, uh, you know, even if you're not ready to call a divorce attorney uh, and you have a, just a bump in the road, pick up the phone, call a therapist, work it through uh, in, in a session. As a matter of fact, about a week ago, uh, uh, I've been seeing uh, an individual who's married, 
and uh, his wife wanted to come in and join the session. And I said, absolutely. And they had an issue regarding finances. And he, she kind of saw things one way, and he kind of saw things the other way. And they were kind of locked in their individual positions. Uh, what we did was we talked about it. We talked about uh, the issue from each person's perspective. And uh, by the end of the session, we were all in agreement that we, were, we had a plan put in place for what this couple was going to do. And uh, it really worked out very, very well. Now, this couple, they were open for solutions and answers to this problem. Some couples aren't so, so open. But they were, and uh, we worked it out. And they both are, uh, you know, happy now. And, and, and it's, um, they're both happy that they came in together into the session to, to kind of work on this issue. So I wish, uh, wish more couples would do that. Don't wait until it's, you know, the last straw. Uh, come in, talk about it, spend a few sessions uh, going over it. And I think that'll be really helpful for, uh, for, for any couple or any marriage. Hmm. Yeah, that was uh, one of the problems I had in my first marriage. I was married for 19 years and uh, my husband was not willing to get help. He was really depressed and he just it kept dragging me down over time and i felt like oh my gosh why can't i make him happy you know and i kind of put all the pressure on myself and then i thought well there must be something wrong with me if i can't make it like if i can't help him to be happy so it turned into this really bad situation it went from bad to worse to worse <laughs> i mean just really awful and i asked you know, like, let's go get you some help. Like, you know, I obviously can't help you. Um, I wish I could, but I can't, you know, what would you say to a couple like, like us? Like, would you, would you recommend that I go in on my own if he's unwilling to do it? Or, you know, I think a lot of people are in that boat. Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking that your situation uh, was not or is not uncommon. Um, that's often the case. It's difficult to do couples counseling with just one, one person uh, coming to therapy. Although it could be good for the individual person to, uh, you know, uh, get a little more grounded, to uh, seek out solutions uh, to this problem individually. But as a couple, you really need both people there uh, and, and the therapist needs to see the, uh, the, the connection, disconnection uh, between the couple to actually you know, try to get a better picture as to what's, what might be going on. Uh, certainly therapy for anyone is, is a very good thing, but uh, what you just described is not uncommon, that one person sees a problem and the other uh, will be you know, either I don't want to go or I don't think I need it or I don't have a problem. And so uh, that's, that's part of the issue. Uh, in my book, I, I, I think I uh, speak to this uh, problem. And uh, I talk about, um, first of all, the many different signs and symptoms regarding anxiety and depression, but also in, in relation, relationships too. Uh, there are signs and symptoms to, to look at and to work on, but the person has to be willing or the couple has to be willing to, to come in. And again, I, I find that couples tend to wait too long 
to come into therapy when, you know, um, they can come in at any time. And I would suggest that they come in when these problems first develop. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's sort of like, you know, if you wait, if you wait too long, things are just going to get more out of control and they're going to be harder to fix. Or couples might think, well, if we just ignore it, it might just go away. But you know, that's what, that's what the elephant in the room is all about. You know, there's a giant problem there, but no one's talking about it. So I think yeah. couples should talk about it and, uh, and should get into therapy. Yeah, for sure. And now that I'm in, a, I'm in a new marriage now, and my husband and I, we bring up stuff like immediately if there's a problem. And I think that's such a healthier way to, <laughs> just to be. It's like, you know, it, if it's an issue, let's talk about it. Let's, you know, let's resolve it. Let's see if we can resolve it right now. Um, and we always come back into like what's most important to us, which is our relationship with each other. And, you know, it's, it's a, I think it's given me a lot of perspective to, you know, just be healthier in a relationship. I think that's fantastic what you guys are doing. You know, don't ignore it. You know, talk about it right away. See if you can come to a resolution. And in my book, I also talk about, um, you know, if a couple has a problem, uh, don't spread it around to your entire family, your friends, and your coworkers. I know a lot of people do this. Oh, uh, the gossip. They do, yeah, yeah. They, they do this to, to, to vent, to try to get, you know, maybe some sympathy or to, or to just get a hug and, and say, you know, to hear someone say it's going to be okay. Uh, but the problem with telling everyone, and especially the family, is um, there are going to be different camps out there. There's going to be Camp A and Camp B. And so let's say the wife tells her family and they're going to, you know, bring up all this stuff and they're going to say, oh, he's terrible. He's awful. And, and the same with, with his family, they're going to maybe coach him or try to support him, but that support uh, can actually make the situation uh, worse because things will be dredged up. The past will come up. I told you, you, you never should have married him. Uh, you know, and it's going to go on and on like that. Now, now, you know, that's going to make it very hard for the couple to resolve their issues together because they're hearing something from over here and over here. Uh, and it just, it just make, you know, resolving these issues much, much harder because you have a lot more voices coming at you and telling you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Uh, the only situation that I can think of where you do want to tell someone is if there's some form of abuse in the home or, you know, if there's something harmful or toxic or, or dangerous in the home, certainly you should reach out and tell someone about it. But if you have, you know, marital issues surrounding uh, intimacy, uh, finances, uh, you know, problems with the children, I don't think you should go out there and tell the whole world because even if you are working on your issues, you finally get into therapy and start talking about this stuff. Now you got the, the family there, you know, chirping in your ear and it can, it can form a lot of resentment uh, on that, uh, on, on, on both sides. And uh, it'll make it just harder for the couple to, uh, to tackle their issues. Right. And it's, you're right about that too, because yeah, there's history with the family and stuff like that. So, you know, as a couple, you need to be united as a couple. You know, it's like, you're, you're in it together. You're married. 
you know, that is to me one of the most important relationships you can have in your life. And, and it's private. It's it's private. It's between it you know whether yeah. it's a you know, couple, uh, you know, uh, not married, a married couple. Uh, it, it's a private, uh, a, a private place. And I, and I, and I write in my book that it's, it only has space for two people. There's no space for anyone else. And if someone tries to jump into that space, then one is going to exit. And so keep it private, keep it to yourself, uh, come to a therapist where it is private and confidential and, uh, but don't share it all over the world. And I, and I, and, and people who are going to hear this, they're going to say, well, but I told my coworkers and, and everyone. And I know there's a, there's a real, you know, uh, impetus to want to wanna do that. Mm -hmm. If you need to get it out, call a therapist, get it out in, in the, the session where it's private and, uh, and, and confidential. And try not to spread it around too much because even if the issues are resolved, it may not be resolved with the families. Mm -hmm, you know, right. they, may, they may want to carry it, carry it along, dredge it up on holidays and, and point fingers at each other. So I would say keep it private and uh, take care of your own, your own stuff. Uh, I think it'll be better off for everyone. Right. And the good thing about going to a therapist is that it's a neutral territory. You know, it's like you can have that caring, you know, neutral ear that when you're in a session, it's like you're not going to be judged and you're and it's certainly not going to be repeated. It's an objective person listening, yeah. like you said, neutral person, uh, you know, hearing, listening to to what's going on, uh, which gives perspective because sometimes our problems are we're too close to our problems and we can't seem to work our way out of it. But a therapist has those uh, that objective lens to see the problems with. Yeah, and it just makes it so much easier. You know, why why do we put ourselves through this, you know, angst? <laughs> like it it's just not really necessary. Right. It's and like what, we torture ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I have one more thing to say about the about relationships. Um in my book I use an analogy of uh bringing our car to the shop for a tune-up. And I talk about a marital tune-up. And what that is is uh well you know, I just brought my car into the shop the other day because uh, it said it needed service and the engine light was on. And so, you know, that's never a good thing when your engine light comes on. It needs some kind of work. Uh, but when the engine light goes on, the marital engine light comes on, you know, people tend to ignore it. So why is it that we bring our cars in for treatment when the engine uh, check engine light comes on, but we don't do that in our in our relationships? So I use the analogy of we bring our car in for maintenance to keep the car running longer. Can we do the same in our relationships when that check engine light comes on? You know, can we do something about it at that point in time? Because just like a car, the relationship can break down and, uh, and certainly get worse. So when you see the check engine light come on in your relationships, that means something. So I would, I would want to see people take care of their, their issues before their marriage breaks down. Right. And um, I was reading your book and I loved the chapter that you talked about on assertiveness, because that's actually something I really struggled with in my first marriage is I just didn't speak up sometimes. And especially if there was like an argument or a disagreement, a lot of times I would just like completely shut down 
and I wouldn't, I wouldn't react. I wouldn't, you know, because I didn't want it to get out of hand. It's like, well, if I yell back, it's just going to turn it into this like shouting match and it's going to be horrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> to me, that, to me, the best thing to do is actually not to say anything. But, it, but that was actually dishonoring and disempowering myself because I wasn't allowed to have, I didn't allow myself to have a voice. And I totally put the blame on myself because we all need to take responsibility for our choices. And the same goes with choices in a relationship and choices in a, uh, like a co-creation in a marriage. So... I look back on all of those times that I just was like silent <laughs> and it's like, wow, I wonder how it would have turned out differently if I would have just voiced my opinion and just been like, okay, this is how I feel and just be truthful and honest and upfront instead of just like shutting down and being silent and suffering. So let's right. talk a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, I work with a lot of people around assertiveness issues. Uh, and um, what you just described uh, sounds like someone who's more on the passive side. Uh, when someone is, I think passive people really have a lot to say, but they don't say it. Uh, it's also called the doormat syndrome. And you might know what that's about, that <sighs> yeah. right? people tend to walk all over you, which is yeah. not a lot of fun. No, I don't do that anymore, by the way. <laughs> good, good. You're healthier. <laughs> At least not as often. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so these passive people just, you know, they, 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 they can't express themselves. They can't really get out how they feel, uh, even though they do have a lot to say. Uh, when I talk about assertiveness, uh, what I mean is the ability to express yourself while respecting the other person, respecting their position. Um, and uh, and that way we're, we're saying how we feel, but we're not putting the other person down. You mentioned a minute ago that, that you were afraid to maybe bring something up because it might escalate, it might turn into something bigger, which you know a lot of people uh, think the same way. But if we do it in such a way where we, we do respect the other person, uh, we, can, we can say no, a lot of people have, a, have trouble saying no, or we can ask for something. And if we do that in a respectful way, uh, that'll that that's that'll that should work out uh, very well. Uh, now, if we don't do it in a respectful way, that's more aggression. And so, people who get into those fights and call each other names and things like that—that's uh, that's an aggressive uh, conversation. There's no respect on either end. People dredge up things from the past. You always do this, and da da da, and uh, it, it it'll just go back and forth like that. There is no resolution. Uh, I also talk uh, talk about being passive aggressive in my book. So we we went from being passive to assertive to to aggressive, and now passive aggression. And what that means is a person can't really confront another person directly. It could be a boss, it could be, it could be a spouse, it could, could be anyone. But they still have this energy, this anger in them that they have to get out in like a roundabout way. And, uh, and I'll, I'll bring up a, this, this example, which uh, I wouldn't want anyone to do, uh, but uh, 
an employee got was mad at his boss and uh, really wanted to have a talk with his boss, but just couldn't get it out, couldn't approach the boss for, for various reasons. But he had an, an intense amount of anger in him. So one day when he, uh, when he left to go home, he noticed the, the boss's car was parked next to his and he accidentally drove his key across the side of his boss's car. Okay. So he's passive because he couldn't approach his boss and say, hey, I want to have a talk with you about something. But it was aggressive because he did something to, to relieve that pressure, to get that, that anger out. And again, I wouldn't want anyone to do this because it has negative ramifications all over the place. But, but sometimes uh, passive aggressive people uh, you know, go to those lengths just to you know, expel that energy, that negativity, and that anger. Uh, to bring bring about some relief. So back to assertiveness, I work with a lot of people around uh, assertiveness training and uh, developing skills to be more assertive. Um, and uh, I think folks would be much happier if they learned that they they actually can get it get out what they what they need to say if they do it in a respectful way. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I think it's um, one of the reasons why I started doing podcasting is it's a way for me to finally have the voice you know, and, and talk, talk to people and, and get the word out about stuff that's just been rattling in my brain forever. <laughs> so <laughs> it's interesting. It's been really good therapy. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's also good just to, you know, get a, a lot of people have a fear of public speaking and, you know, that's one of the bigger fears out there too. And it's like, Okay, well, if I can talk to you one on one and have other people listening in, it's like you know that's great, you know. And and to me, the message is more important than anything because it's like there's things that people are probably thinking about, just like I think about things and you think about things. And it's like it's so good just to talk about it in a platform where people can get the message because it's so important therapy is so important i mean this is it's a game changer it's a life changer it's something that can make i mean why are you out there just suffering and and you know just like not working through your stuff it's like it's you can do it you can do this (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i mean it's you know if, if there's any fear uh the fear uh, is usually dispelled by the time you come in, you sit down, you get to know your therapist. And that brings up a good point is uh, I write in my book that probably the most important part of therapy is the relationship with your therapist. Because if you don't have a good relationship, if you don't trust your therapist, or if you don't think your therapist is really getting why you came in in the first place, it's not going to be a very successful experience. Uh, and if that's the case, I would recommend that first you bring it up with your therapist that, you know, I, I don't really feel that you're getting, you know, my, my situation. Uh, and it's okay to change therapists. So if we don't feel that the therapist, uh, you know, is a good fit, uh, you know, it's okay to bring it up. The therapist is, is okay hearing that uh, from a client that, you know, I don't, I don't think we're working well together or I don't think we're on the same page or something like that because I would rather someone tell me that than to just go week after week and come in and not feel that they can tr- truly open up with me. 
Hmm. And I would also give the suggestion to you for people that if you, um, if you feel like you go to one session and you know how some people are and they're like, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they go to one session and they expect their whole life to be different. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, how long, first of all, how long have you had the problem that you are going in for? You know, probably you've had it for a number of years, you know, and so to expect the therapist to change your life in 30 minutes you know, is very unrealistic. And you mean therapists don't have magic wands? <laughs> well, they may <laughs> secretly, <laughs> but it still is a process and it takes time. So you've got to get to know your therapist. You've got to start opening up. You've, start to, you've got to start building a rapport and you've got to give yourself time in the process. And I, I always give the example here, here's an example, because I'm a, I'm a skier, and I love to ski, and I've been doing it now for a very long time, and I am pretty much can go on any mountain anywhere and not freak out, which is a good thing, but when I first started, you know, I was crying, I was petrified, I was on the side of the run, and I was like, I can't do this, you know, <laughs> I was like, so horrible. And I realized, hey, guess what? I need a lesson and maybe I need a bunch of lessons because it takes time to learn how to ski. You know, it's not something you can learn in a day or even a week or even a month, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I think it's the same thing with therapy. It's like, okay, first of all, be really gentle with yourself. You know, don't, don't keep beating yourself up over it. Okay. Everybody has issues. Everybody has problems. Right. That's right. why we're here. We're here to learn. We're here to grow. And second of all, um, give yourself the proper amount of time to actually see a shift and give your therapist a chance. Yeah. Maybe you don't connect with that person or whatever, but give it at least a couple of sessions mm. you know, um, to find out if they're fit or not. And if they're not definitely go to someone else. Don't just let it drop and don't just say it doesn't work. Right. You know, so these are, uh, you know, yeah. Um, when a client first comes in, there's something called that therapists call a presenting problem. And what is that? It's what the client comes in with. It's their issue that they want to work on their problem. They want to, they want to try to fix. Uh, however, sometimes the, presenting problem, and I'm going to do the air quotes here, is not really the main issue. Uh, like you said, as time goes on, you get to peel back the layers and you start to see something else there that maybe is not the, uh, that maybe is the more, the more uh, uh, important issue. And so uh, to your point, it does take time to, to, get, to get to that point of to find, you know, what's really going on here? Uh, it may not be apparent in the first few sessions, but a little little uh, further down the road, the therapist will start to see a bigger picture and get a better idea of what's uh, what's really going on. Mm -hmm. So everybody get out there, get some therapy, you know, <laughs> don't feel bad about it. <laughs> I just want to make one more point. And I, uh, uh, I just saw a new client the other day uh, 
and he came in, uh, you know, first time seeing me, and I think he did see a therapist years ago for something else. And so we talked for, you know, about an hour or so. And he did say after just that one hour that he felt better. He felt relieved because he couldn't talk about these issues with anyone else. He didn't want to burden his friends. He didn't want to bring it up to family. And so he's been holding it in. So even after one session, some people can feel that relief that they finally got it out. They got it out in a very private place. And, uh, and, and this is their time where they can come back and do that again. So just, just uh, coming to therapy or sometimes even just making the telephone call brings a lot of relief to people. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to put that point across that Absolutely. good things can start relatively early. Yeah. Well, I do believe things start to shift the instant you decide to actually help your, get the help that you need. Right. So yeah, things, as soon as you make that decision, it's like, I'm going to make my life better or I want to make my life better. Guess what? The universe conspires in your favor and it's going to try and make that happen for you. It's, it's true. You put your intent out there and, and things do start up here. It does start with, mm -hmm. uh, making that shift and, and maybe thinking a little differently or what the heck, I'll give it a try. You know, uh, uh, let's, let, let's see, uh, what I can get out of this. And you're right. It starts early on with that, with that slightly different, uh, thinking. <laughs> exactly. So, um, by the way, if anybody has a question out there and would like to submit it to the show, just go to info at loveinyourhands.com and submit your name, your question, and where you're from. Uh, if you wanna submit your hand, I'll also look at your hand, uh, and I'd be happy to answer your questions. So um, uh, to wrap up, uh, Robert, uh, how do people work with you? How do they reach you? Um, do you have any offers for uh, listeners? Yes, um, I have a website, and it is www rchampi.com that would be r c i a m p i.com uh, my book can be reached uh, located at uh, com, and there are various buying options there i also provide a uh, for, for folks in uh, northern new jersey uh, where my office is i provide a 15 minute free consultation so you can call and we can talk about uh, your issues, or if you have a, a question for me, I can certainly answer uh, that question at that time. So uh, my contact information can be reached at either site, rchampy.com or whentocallatherapist.com. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been Thank you so much. This was great and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Okay, everybody, remember to live life with love and have a fantastic day.